your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to make sure you stay tuned to the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, or catch up on any previous episodes you might have missed already, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is always free, and make sure you never miss another beat. On tonight's episode, I wanted to spend uh, most of the time talking about Winnipeg's final game against the Toronto Maple Leafs on the road until the end of March. As far as North Division matchups go, this series was probably one of the most dreaded by most Jets fans. I think we all knew that coming into the series, Winnipeg probably didn't have a great chance of collaborating collecting all that many points. One of two things was most likely to happen. Either the Jets really got smacked around and just could not win too many games and ended up maybe taking at least one or two points here or there, or Winnipeg would somehow luck its way through and end up collecting a couple of points that would put a dent maybe in uh, Toronto's lead at the front, but the on-ice performances really wouldn't give us a whole lot to be, you know, excited about when the postseason picture starts to form because, let's be honest, the Jets probably weren't going to play all that well against Toronto. In the first two games, we saw the Jets kind of follow the ladder script in that they weren't all that great, Um, despite a couple of sequences where they actually did create high-danger chances. Unfortunately, on the defensive side of things, it was pretty messy. The slot in front of Connor Hellebuck, especially when you look at shot heat maps and scoring chance rates, basically looked like a bit of a bloodbath, which is more or less what aligns to the eye test. I think the Jets basically struggled with just about everything, whether it was zone exits, clearing the the crease in front of Hellebuck, creating offensive breakouts. The Jets just really couldn't do a whole lot against that Toronto pressure, and unfortunately, Toronto's in-zone passing and stuff is all very good and really works out the Jets' defensive structure. Against all odds, the Jets ended up taking three out of four points, you know, an overtime loss on the uh, Thursday game, and then a clean regulation win in the Tuesday game, more or less owing to the efforts of Connor Hellebuck, which I think we've come to expect over the past couple of seasons. If the Jets win, it's usually because their goaltending holds out, not because the Jets have been particularly good. But I suppose when it comes to playing in Toronto, you basically take it just because you know that the Jets are most likely going to be outplayed anyways, and the fact that the Jets have managed to steal at least three out of four points in the first couple of games is pretty darn good. That led us to tonight where I was sort of curious to know which version of the Jets would show up. Would it be the same that's been getting outplayed over the past couple of games? We did see like some defensive improvements between Game 1 and Game 2, but not enough to say that the Jets were even close to playing evenly to Toronto. I think we all knew that the Leafs were basically smacking the Jets for the most part, and it was just a question of about, you know, how much the Jets were going to be pushed around. In tonight's game, I thought it would be more of the same, but to be honest, the Jets actually came out looking pretty competent. That is, after you survive the first two minutes where there was a very early scare. Unfortunately, the Jets kind of got caught a little bit early with a, uh, a really nasty little goal sequence on the first shot. Pierre Engvall scored what looked like a sure goal, a great snipe that actually hit the water bottle. But during the whole sequence, of course, everyone sort of noticed that somebody made a hand pass in order to create the goal, so obviously that one was washed out, and things sort of resumed from there. 
In the first period, I would say that the the Jets definitely had a uh, a rough couple of minutes starting out. I think that they came into the game looking to get competitive and play at a pretty high tempo, but to be honest, it was difficult to find early opening shots. I think Toronto did a good job keeping the Jets away from the slot, and Toronto's chances, even if they weren't always close in, actually did cause Laurent Brassois a little bit of trouble. You know, not having Hellebuck in net did make me a little bit nervous just because Brassois looked shaky tonight. I wasn't super in love with how the backup looked. I felt like he was sliding laterally a lot, which is sort of a, a sign that he's not always tracking accurately, especially because it didn't feel like he was particularly in control. And when he watched his head movements and whatnot, it just didn't seem like he was seeing the puck as well as you'd like. No one ended up scoring in this first period, so it was a lot of back-and-forth end-to-end rushes and some good in-zone sequences, but for the most part, Toronto probably had the early edge before the Jets actually started to push back and actually create a couple of opportunities. Towards the end of the period, Winnipeg actually started creating some really high-danger chances down in front of uh, Frederick Anderson. And Anderson's not like a great goalie at times, but he has been pretty alright, certainly enough to get the Leafs through most of their games. But I felt like, generally speaking, he didn't have to do all that much work because, unfortunately, the Jets kind of, you know, they missed on a couple of clear opportunities, and I think some of the passes weren't quite as crisp as they needed to be. And I don't remember if it was in the first period or later, but there was like a two-on-one sequence with Appleton and Cop that ended up getting robbed. Aside from that, it was pretty quiet. I felt like the Jets did enough to stay in the game, and to be honest, I was pretty happy just being tied at nothing-nothing. If the Jets had had a couple of goals as the lead, I would get nervous because Winnipeg tends to sit back a lot and let the other teams dictate possession after that. You know, in a nothing-nothing game, the Jets still have the impetus to try and really push the pace. I think I was mostly just glad that Laurent Brassois hadn't gotten beaten yet because he didn't really look like somebody that you would rely on, especially in this situation against a Leafs team that was definitely looking for a couple of points here. I will say that as that first period ended, I I felt like the Jets did a pretty good job of limiting the number of really high-danger chances Toronto was able to derive out of that slot area. I was also kind of impressed with Logan Stanley. I felt like he was the man of the match in the first period just because he was making some really good zone entry denials, and aside from one or two bad turnovers behind the net, felt like he had a pretty competent period. He's certainly a lot more watchable than Nathan Beaulieu, and he certainly will have some moments where you'll notice his size is kind of a uh, a hindrance at times. He does have a bit of a slower first step acceleration, and certainly his top gear isn't super fast either, but... You know, as far as using his frame is concerned, he does seem to be pretty decent at cutting down shooting and passing lanes, and he does seem to enforce his will pretty nicely along the walls and in the corner, so that's kind of a big plus because Bolu often lost those physical battles, which I think was very frustrating. One of the things that he was brought in to do was to be a very physical presence, especially on stuff like the penalty kill. Logan's not really getting PK time right now, but as far as his even strength production has been concerned, I I have to say he's been very competent and certainly a steadying force with Dylan DeMello. On the whole, a first period where you don't give up any goals to Toronto is probably a good period by my books, especially an opening period where you might have actually outplayed Toronto by a little bit of a margin, not a huge one, but enough to be noticeable. Certainly when you had some really nice cross-seam passing and a couple of dangerous chances, I felt like the Jets were starting to put two and two together. The next step then was to determine how to actually capitalize on these chances and score. You'd probably like to know if the Jets actually did in fact figure that part out, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But before then, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to the wacky, wonderful world of online betting, it can be hard to find the most trusted and reliable names in the industry. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. 
Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are all in full swing. If you're not into sports, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. With real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next. BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need so you'll always make the most informed bets possible. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. Getting started couldn't be easier or faster. Head on over to betonline.ag on your mobile device or desktop, and when you register for a free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON at registration for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping the Winnipeg Jets game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. After a scoreless first period, it obviously gets a lot more interesting from here. But before we get to the second period and beyond, I thought you should know a little bit about Locked on today and why it needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. We're covering everything you need to know about the Winnipeg Jets, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked on Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked on today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And now on to period two of Jets versus Leafs, which was a much more interesting period, relatively speaking. I think both teams definitely wanted to push the pace. After a scoreless first, you would expect that one of these teams would break the ice. And of all the players to do it, Mason Appleton ended up scoring first. Over the past couple of weeks, I've highlighted Appleton as somebody that I've been particularly impressed with and somebody who I think is starting to prove his value as someone who does deserve to be protected when Seattle comes calling. Obviously, the Jets have a lot of roster decisions to make, but to be honest, I think Appleton being protected has to be a priority at this point. Sure, you could argue that his goal was a bit fluky considering it was deflected off of his skate and maybe touched off his stick as it was bouncing around, but let's be honest. The space that he was occupying and the route that he took to the net are all very characteristic of the way that Appleton tries to approach offense. He's a very direct player with some really good hands, a surprising amount of acceleration, and just a really efficient approach to creating offense in front of the goalie. I feel like Appleton's directness and the ease with which he skates between defenders as a guy who is a pretty big player all around, I think gives him a lot of tool sets that I I find very valuable and something that I think the Jets maybe shouldn't be sleeping on. Sure, he's not going to be like a 30-goal guy, but I think the way that he does create offense and the way that he can transition offense up the ice and also create a lot of forced turnovers and really good defensive plays, I I just feel like makes him a a complete package of a player and somebody who could arguably play on like a second line. He has a little bit more finesse than Cop does, and I think that that's what makes him such an intriguing option for me. There's just a little bit more to his game and something that shows me that maybe he does deserve a look alongside somebody like Shifley or whatever. I feel like his skill sets and the way that he's able to create space and aggressively attack the net, I don't know, his net crashing ability, his soft hands in tight spaces... His industriousness and his, you know, defensive work rates, I just really feel like make him a well-rounded player and somebody the Jets can't really afford to lose. His goal was just really great hard work, and I have to say I was very impressed. Unfortunately, as we all know, the Jets with the lead is probably the most dangerous thing to Winnipeg's success because, let's be honest, when the Jets have a lead, they often start getting sloppy. Not long after Appleton's goal, the Jets were on a power play, and rather than scoring, they got really disorganized, looked very loose in possession, and then, of course, they ended up giving up a shorthanded goal to Jake Muzzin, which just really can't afford to happen. You know, this one was a situation where I feel like Connor or Stastny maybe needed to make a play on Muzzin. Stastny, we know, can't really keep up. Connor was the guy closest to Muzzin and the only one who was probably capable of catching up to make a play, didn't even try for it. The Leafs basically had like a 3-on-1 or a 3-on-2, and Muzzin ended up capitalizing on some very sloppy defensive plays, and then just not great goaltending from Brassois. I can't really blame Laurent for this one, but if you're going to give up a shorty, you would like at least an extra save. 
The second goal, though, about two minutes later was much worse. William Nylander just somehow uh, snuck it right between the pads from Brassois, which is very frustrating. It wasn't even a great shooting angle or a hard shot. It just seemed to catch Brassois by surprise, which is not something that you can really afford to have happen against this Leafs team. Making mistakes and getting punished for it is something that's very difficult to climb out of against the this Toronto roster. Sure, they have blown leads before, but this is the Jets. I will say that, you know, for most of the period, the Jets looked really strong. I felt like they were creating the bulk of the opportunities and generally speaking were out shooting Toronto. Their efforts to try and find the tying goal ended up being rewarded on a Paul Stastny deflection. This one was actually a double tip by uh, first Mark Shifley and then Stastny off of a Logan Stanley point shot from the central area. I have to say I'm very happy for Stanley. I felt like he's deserved his first NHL point for a while now. Now he actually has it under his belt. Maybe he'll find a few more and get a couple of goals here. I feel like he's been into, into pretty good shooting positions and maybe some decent passing lanes, but just hasn't really been able to bury any of these opportunities. And to be honest, he doesn't really activate inside the offensive zone all that many times. He does occasionally do it, but it's it's certainly in very specific situations. That said, after a pretty decent first period, I definitely felt like he deserves some sort of a reward, so it's nice to see him get his first NHL point. Overall, I hope he continues the trend. If he ends up being like a really good third-pairing guy, I'd be thrilled. As far as second periods go, I was pretty impressed by Winnipeg's efforts. I felt like they didn't cave under the pressure from Toronto and ended up responding pretty well after Brassois had a couple of really bad oopsies. A number of people were asking for Brassois to be pulled, but it seems like uh, you know Paul Maurice really wasn't interested in putting Connor Hellebuck back in. I think he did want to give him the night off, which I do understand. By the same token, I was a bit worried because Brassois' tracking was pretty poor, and knowing the Jets' defenders don't always have great attempts to actually shut down these shooting lanes and cut down these opportunities, I was a bit nervous that it would start to bite the Jets at some point. You know, if Brassois' tracking was this poor, would he surrender another really greasy one, one that would put the Jets basically out of touch? Thankfully, Winnipeg survived until the end of the period, actually outplaying Toronto for the most part, and lived to tell another tale. And in just a moment, you'll find out whether those efforts were actually rewarded, or if the Jets ended up falling to Toronto once again. Before then, though, you have to hear about Bilt Bar's March Madness Challenge. For a long time now, you've been hearing about why Bilt Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market, and certainly I'm a big fan of them. You know, I think that their flavor selection is great and that the texture inside is awesome. It's basically a candy bar that happens to be really great for you. If for some reason you still haven't heard about Bilt Bar, it's the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and most importantly, delicious protein bar that smokes the competition. There are plenty of great Bilt Bar flavors, but when it comes down to it, there can only be one true grand champion. And to find out which flavor reigns supreme, Bilt Bar is running Bilt Bar Madness. We're slowly nearing the quarterfinals, which means plenty of great flavors are still in the running. Cookies and Cream has advanced to the final eight, but we're still figuring out which flavors among peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, cookie dough chunk, coconut, white chocolate birthday cake, toffee almond, mint brownie, peanut butter, coconut puff, caramel brownie, double chocolate, coconut brownie chunk, and lemon almond cheesecake will advance to the final eight as well. Help determine the last of the seating at BuiltBar.com slash pages slash brackets and crown the next champion flavor. While you're there, grab some Built Bars yourself, and at checkout, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON20 to receive 20% off your next order. Welcome back to this closing segment of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are finishing out a shorter episode with some thoughts from uh, a a nice third period for the Jets. Certainly after the second period tied 2-2, you'd have to be wondering if Winnipeg would actually pull out the win, and in fact they did. The game winner came courtesy of Adam Lowry. I don't know if it was Bogosian on this shift, but basically Toronto's defenders in front of the net really didn't do all that well. Mason Appleton was behind the net and fed a near-perfect pass right to Lowry's stick, and Lowry did not miss. You know, Adam sometimes has stone hands, 
hands when it comes to finishing, but this time he actually deposited the puck in the right spot, and all in all, just a fabulously worked goal on this third line. I feel like this third line, in fact, basically bossed proceedings the entire night and was probably the best unit of all the teams. I have noted that Cop, Lowry, and Appleton at times do struggle to finish, even if they do have some really good defensive zone shifts and occasionally create havoc on the offensive forecheck, but for once, they actually got rewarded for their efforts. This was arguably their most well-rounded game of the past couple of uh, weeks, and I was really impressed. I feel like this is a good case for keeping them together if they can keep it up. But of course, if they do have to find a finisher, maybe they'll add somebody on the wing at some point and maybe promote like an Appleton somewhere. Who knows? I will say that they were probably the difference maker in this game. They completely shut down most of Toronto's top lines when they were matched out there against them. And that's really a classic Jets thing that we used to see all the time with any line that had Andrew Kopp or Adam Lowry on it. It's been absent for a while now just because this line hasn't always gelled nicely, but it is nice to see all these guys getting on the score sheet and doing pretty well. Winnipeg later added some power play goals for insurance after Toronto started getting frustrated and ended up taking a few sloppy penalties. Nikolai Ehlers had a beautiful snipe from the left side after drawing the penalty in the first place against Morgan Riley. I'm sure Morgan was kind of pissed about it, but you know, the Leafs at that point were basically running out of steam. And Nick is just really smart in this manner of drawing penalties, even if sometimes he maybe dives a little bit. I feel like that's been part of his reputation, but this one was just intelligently earned, I'd have to say. And then the other penalties came on some like silly bench miner stuff from Sheldon Keefe, and I think there was one other slashing or hooking call or something. Just really silly from the Leafs, and I, I think they basically fell apart. And Mark Shifley ended up scoring the final goal of the night, you know, potting another great snipe from the left side. It was at this stage of 5-on-3, so Shifley certainly had time to pick out the corners and really make a great snipe. He's had some issues scoring at like 5v5 this year, so it is good to see him be a little bit productive on the power play. All in all, I would say that the Jets played a really complete game. This was probably one of the strongest games overall considering their competition. And overall, I was pretty impressed. Now, on the downside, I will say that the second line does continue to struggle. Aside from, like, Nikolai Ehlers being really sharp, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois just had a really crappy game. And Kyle Connor continues to be really frustrating. I, I don't know if it's just a situation where they don't have a lot of chemistry and, and Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't really know what he's doing, but... I do think you have to do something about the second line. It's just not working particularly well, and I haven't been impressed overall. I will say that uh, Dubois does seem to be trying to do certain things, and at times he'll have great rushes with Ehlers, but other times he sort of overcooks his routes. And just seems a bit awkward. I don't really know what it is, but he kind of reminds me of like Blake Wheeler trying to handle the puck, except in his case it's more like receiving the pass and being in the right spots. Connor is just a strange one because I feel like it's progressively getting worse with him, especially when it comes to positioning in both ends of the ice. Defensively, we know he doesn't really participate all that much except to be a bit of a, a bit of a drag, especially when it comes to man marking and whatnot, but inside the offensive zone, he's not really giving his linemates any support either. He's often in positions that don't really make sense, or when he does try to do his one-on-one -on -one matchup thing, especially with his great stick handling and his skating, he's failing to win some of these battles that he's traditionally won pretty handily, so it's not really great, because the stuff that he's mostly good at are things he's not really doing enough of, and I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated with him this year. I feel like the stuff that he's doing is definitely worse than in his previous years, where even at even strength when he was defensively poor, he was still producing at a pretty good clip. Increasingly, it feels like his value is basically on the power play, and that's it, and for a guy who's getting paid that that much money, I don't really feel like that's good enough. I think he has to be better. 
At some point, the Jets are going to have to figure out how to best utilize him because I feel like right now they're getting very minimal value and that line is basically a black hole aside from Nikolai Ehlers. Dubois will have to step it up as well. I don't think he was particularly impressive tonight and uh, unless he wants to go back to playing on the wing, he definitely needs to improve his center qualities because otherwise he'll probably be back out wide. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this game though, so if you have any interpretations that you want to shoot at me, let me know at HLivingLoco on Twitter or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets also on Twitter. That will do it for tonight's episode, though. Before you log off, be sure to check out Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS leagues, breaking down all the stats and information to keep you ahead of the competition. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on your favorite platform of choice, and as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!